Hello, and thanks for tuning in to KZYX. This is Tiernan, and you're about to hear my interview of a wildland firefighter who also just so happens to be my brother. Morgan has been a member of our local fire department for over four years. He's a forestry major at Cal Poly San Luis Obispo, and he intends to have a full-time career in fire. Last fire season, we were both with the Mendocino Hotshots, who are one of the two Type 1 Forest Service hand crews stationed on the Mendocino National Forest. Morgan has returned to them for this fire season, and I was lucky enough to grab him on one of his few days off to discuss different personnel involved in fighting fire, what they do, some current issues with the federal government's treatment of their firefighters, and where the future of fire is headed. After that, we'll listen to Lana Cohen's interview of Cal Fire Mendocino Chief George Gonzalez. Enjoy. So... Let's talk about the different parts of fire, who works in fire, and what they do. Okay, so essentially, if you want to go from the ground up, you have basically first-year people in fire, and they could be on a couple different crews. They could be on engines, they could be on Type 2 hand crews. Um, this is, I guess, more speaking in terms of the Forest Service, but for, pe for people who is their first year in fire, they have done probably a week's worth of training or less, and they're super fresh at it. Um, from there, there's more experienced people. They've been on a couple seasons. They're higher up in hand crews. Maybe they're on engines. Maybe they're an engine ca captain or an engine engineer um from there, there there's divisions they'll lead um certain sections of fire which are called divisions um and then there's instant commanders and it it keeps going up and up to very very broad scales in terms of chief of california fire and stuff like mm -hmm. that Let, let's let's break it down even further so you talked about like a hand crew what the heck is a hand crew? Because when I think of firefighting, I think of, like, a guy breathing through a tank of oxygen, and he's got uh, that that hard hat, and he's got that axe, and he's breaking down a door. So what is a hand crew? Essentially, it's stopping a wildland fire by removing fuel. So, removing... Normally... Fuel. fuel. Could be brush, could be grass, could be tall timber... Uh, it, it could be just duff, which is almost soil. It's literally pine needles that are in the process of decomposing. Mm -hmm. But yeah, removing any kind of fuel could be immediately in front of the fire, could be far out, you know, miles ahead of the fire, which mm -hmm. would be indirect. And essentially there's saw teams who go out ahead with chainsaws and cut away all of the taller fuels. Mm -hmm. Could be brush, could be actual trees. Um, and then falling behind them is the scrape, and they have hand tools, chingas, pulaskis. Um, they're basically like hoes and shovels and pickaxes type tools, mm -hmm. and they're scraping or removing all the fuel that's on the actual ground. Mm -hmm. Dead and down, could be just grass, could be um, that they're actually breaking apart that duff that we talked about, but they're scraping it down to bare mineral soil mm -hmm. so that once the fire reaches that line, it's it can't cross the line. It's going to be... The fire intensity should be relatively low when it gets to that line because the sawyers have removed all the big fuels, all the branches, right. even trees and stuff, like we were saying. So it's low intensity, and once it hits that, that just line of bare dirt, it doesn't cross it, and it burns itself out. And mm. it's, it's, it's smothered, basically. Okay. So that's what a, a hand crew does. Essentially, um, yeah. What about, I hear mop-up. What, what is mop-up? So once the entire fire is wrapped with one of those hand lines, or it could be with the dozer, mm -hmm. uh, there's different, you know, kinds of containment lines. Could be a wet line. Mm -hmm. It then needs to be mopped up, and that is going in really methodically, might even be gritting, which is crawling around on your hands and knees looking for any heat whatsoever. Literally feeling... Literally feeling the ground with your hands for heat. 
where the fire was. And, and this process takes days, some, sometimes literal weeks. But, uh, it, it, yeah, it, it's putting out any heat that's where the fire burnt inside within the containment lines. And at first you might start and just mop up the first five feet. So that's get it wet, squirt it with water if you have water. If you're doing dry mop up, which is without water, you just mix it with soil, Mm -hmm. with cold, dry mineral soil to basically smother it, but also absorb some of that heat, take some of the heat away. People talk about the fire triangle or the fire tetrahedron, which is um, heat, oxygen, and fuel. And the fire tetrahedron is um, sustained chemical reaction. If you take any one of those away, you'll put the fire out. Mm -hmm. So, um, Fire needs those things to be a fire. Exactly. So mop-up is taking away any one of those that you possibly can Mm -hmm. to completely put it out. And once it's put out sufficiently, mopped up sufficiently, sometimes, I mean, that'll be up to the instant command, but it might be... 100 feet within the containment lines mm-hmm. is dead cold. There's nothing. Mm-hmm. There's no heat whatsoever. Then they can call the fire controlled. Mm-hmm. And and at that point, all resources might get pulled off of it. And then there's just somebody hiking it or a couple people hiking it a day mm-hmm. or maybe once a week for the next month just to make sure that nothing else flares up. Right. And then it's just, you know, a piece of paper in somebody's desk. And, okay. And you can forget about it. Okay. On that note, I think it's important to distinguish the fact that hand crews, I mean, typically, they have no water whatsoever to fight fire, right? Yeah. The, I mean, the only water they'll really get to use is if they're lucky mm-hmm. and they happen to be close to a road. There might be an engine close by that they can, you know, steal some water from. Or sometimes blivets get flown in from helicopters, which is just giant sacks of, well, I don't know how much water they carry, but giant sacks of water mm-hmm. that we can fill pee pumps with, which is just a backpack that's a sack that you fill with water, you carry it, and it has a little hand pump mm-hmm. that you can squirt. And, and you might be hiking all day with one of those on your back, but right. even that is rare. And you have to learn how to conserve your water. Because every time that thing's empty, you got to hike back up to the drop point, Mm -hmm. fill it back up, and hike back down to where you're working. Right. Right. Yeah. Let's talk more about that. That Hand crews are really like, when there's a fire in the middle of nowhere that an engine can't get to, dozer can't get to, it's the hand crew's job, right? Like, Yeah. I mean, when there's no roads, and a lot of the times, you know, Lightning strikes or fires happen way out in the wilderness where there's no roads. Hot shots or hand crews will be hiking out to it. They, they, they'll probably park at the closest road and they'll hike in with everything they need on their backs. Mm-hmm. So I mean, there's smoke jumpers which can um, parachute down to the fires, but they need a big opening. Um, they're normally IA type stuff. What's IA? Incident, uh, I believe it's incident action. Or no. initial attack. Initial attack, yeah. yeah. it's initial attack. And they will just parachute to close to a fire and, and hike the rest of the way in. Mm-hmm. We don't work a lot with those guys because we're more on long-term assignments where it, it's a campaign role. We've been there for a week already. Mm-hmm. The fire's been burning, and we're just trying to get the thing out. There's also helitac crews, but they need a spot to land a helicopter mm-hmm. to get in. So when it's really remote and and really rugged terrain, it's normally hot shots hiking in, right, with everything they need. Right. Now let's talk about uh, first. Let's talk about Forest Service versus state and municipal, and then we'll talk about like the different levels of that, like a Cal Fire hand crew versus Cal Fire engine or a Forest Service engine versus. Forest Service hand crew, but um, just in general, Forest Service versus Cal Fire or Municipal, what what kind of are the differences you'll see there? Yeah, there's a couple different agencies you'll see on a fire. There's Forest Service, Cal Fire, Municipal, which might be your city department, your San Francisco FD, your etc. Or you'll also see a lot more contract 
firefighters, which will just be a private company that is hired on because resources are so thin that they'll, you know, they're, they're not up to anybody else's standards per se, but they can be hired and we need everybody we can get. So they're there in terms of just for service versus Cal fire, Cal fire states, the state of California for service is federal, mm-hmm. all, you know, United States. And it mainly focuses on national forests. That's where they'll be stationed. That's where the majority of their work will be. That's where the majority of their firefighting will be. Cal fire, because it's a state agency will be, more of your private property, your state property, um, you know, that those are the people you'll see fighting fire in your neighborhood, most likely. Mm-hmm. Um, and they even do, some CAL FIRE stations have contracted out with counties to be the county fire department, which means they'll also do structure. Okay. So San Luis, San Luis Obispo is an example of that. In San Luis County, CAL FIRE does all the the city work. Okay. And structure is just a fire in a structure versus wildfire. Exactly. And, and a lot of the time there's overlap. Um, I mean, Santa Rosa is a perfect example of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, wages are definitely, there's a huge discrepancy there. Forest service gets, I mean, if you live in California, you'll start out at minimum wage. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I'm not exactly sure what Cal Fire is paying right now. Mm-hmm. We could look that up, but it, it, it's significantly more than the Forest Service. Mm-hmm. Right now, as a GS4, which is basically one promotion away from being a complete rookie, mm-hmm. I'm making fifteen fifty an hour. And if I was working for the Cal, for Cal Fire, I'd probably be ma- making twenty twenty five dollars an hour if I had to guess Mm -hmm. and I wouldn't be working quite the same shifts I'd be sleeping in hotels Mm -hmm. I'd most likely be working one day on one day off whereas Mm -hmm. now I'm working when I'm on a fire most likely I'll be working 16 hour shifts Mm -hmm. and sleeping out in the woods on the ground right for two weeks straight and Cal Fire gets paid Around the clock, right? And Forest Service gets paid only those 16 hours. Right, They're yeah. awake. Exactly. I'll only get paid those 16 hours that I'm actually working. Uh-huh. And sleeping on the ground. Um, yeah, that, that, that's... So, with COVID, um, we wanted to... The Mendocino Hot Shops, the crew that I'm working on, wanted to you know, stay away from fire camp as much as possible. Mm-hmm. And most crews are, are operating that same way. So we're going into camp for what we need, fuel, food, water, supplies. Mm-hmm. But for the most part, we, we're just sending runners and we're staying out in the woods far enough away from the fire that we're safe, but also mm-hmm. that we're not commuting hours to the fire and back. Right. We're trying to be as efficient as possible and, and stay away from the big crowd of people at fire camp. Right. Well, now that we kind of know the differences between, like, Forest Service, Cal Fire, Municipal, um, and we know what a hand crew is, let's talk about engines. What what exactly is an engine crew? So, Forest Service engine versus Cal Fire engine, it's somewhat similar. Some of them are the exact same piece of apparatus with just different supply on them, so... Forest Service carries more wildland hose and less structure hose. Cal Fire carries a little bit more structure hose and a little bit more supply line and stuff like that. Just mm-hmm. because of the nature of what they do, Forest Service trucks are normally on the forest. And mm-hmm. Cal Fire could be in cities and stuff or, or, you know. The staffing for a Forest Service engine, I think, is five people. I think it has to be five people on the engine. Cal Fire, I think, can be three a minimum of three. Um, the training is a little bit different. The uh, physical fitness levels are a little bit different. The Forest Service has their own tests um, for that. But I, I can't speak much for CAL FIRE just because I don't have that much experience with what, it, what how they really run their engines. But, mm-hmm. yeah, CAL FIRE is red and Forest Service have green engines. Okay. And, oh yeah, that's actually 
an important distinction. Um, back to hand crews for a second. Um, so mostly, most Forest Service hand crews will be actually staffed people who might live in barracks or whatever. Either you have your typical hand crews, and then you have your hotshot type one hand crews. Um, on the Cal Fire end of that, what do you typically see? You you will see staff stations with barracks. Um, they'll similar to Forest Service. They're seasonal employees. They'll get laid off in the winter and they'll get hired back on before fire season. Mm-hmm. They'll go to traffic collisions similar to the Forest Service would if there's a traffic collision on a forest. Mm-hmm. They'll they'll serve Bo- Boonville for example. The Boonville Cal Fire Station. They're aiding. The Anderson Valley Volunteer Department, they go to traffic collisions, medical aids when needed, wildland fires when needed, but they operate pretty similar in terms of Cal Fire versus Forest Service. Mm -hmm. Except for con crews, right? Yeah, but uh, if you're talking engines, you won't see con crews on an engine, but Mm -hmm. if you're talking actual hand crews, yeah, con con crews are... Are operate really similar to hot shots, except um, only one of them is in charge, and that is the the captain mm-hmm. who's working with Department of Corrections to keep track of the crew and make sure none of them run away, make sure none of them are breaking the laws, and they're basically in charge of them during the day, and at night when they go back to camp, they hand them back over to Department of Corrections. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, they hike all their stuff in like hotshots would. I think they work longer seasons. I think they're hired on a little bit early and laid off a little bit later. Mm-hmm. Or I I don't know if it's technically laid off, mm-hmm. but... Right, because there was some... Conquerors on the uh, turnout fire up there, right? And yeah. There's not even any Forest Service crews right now yet. Yeah. No. Not. 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 Or not at that point. Not at that point. Not locally, at least. Yeah. This is Tiernan Kobler, and you're listening to an interview I did with my brother Morgan Kobler, an experienced firefighter who currently works with the Mendocino Hotshots. I was lucky enough to grab him on one of his few days off to discuss the tactics used to suppress wildland fire. Let's talk about just how fire behavior has changed and how the fire season has changed and uh, where you think this fire season is headed. It's hard for me to speak for, you know, like I, I, I don't know what fires were, were like in the 90s or super early 2000s because I, I you know, wasn't there, mm-hmm. <laughs> obviously. But record show, I... I, I wrote my research paper senior year was about the increase in in acres burned for California. Mm -hmm. It's focusing on California. Mm -hmm. And, yeah, the the statistics are undeniable that it's burning hotter than it has, it's burning more acres than it has, and every year pretty much consecutively have been worse than the last. Mm -hmm. And I think this year is going to be no exception. Yeah. Every year we're breaking records, and that's kind of what I focused on. There's the Mendocino Complex fire, then there was the August Complex fire last year, and there's going to probably be another fire this year that breaks the August Complex mm-hmm. record. So it we got less rain than we did last year. Things are drying out earlier than last year. Um, yeah, I, 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 th- I think everybody's on the same page that Global warming's probably causing it, mm-hmm. and it, it's it's only getting worse, and we don't know when it's going to get better. On that note, let's talk about um, climate change versus managing forests and how much both have contributed to how these fire seasons have changed. They've both, yeah, both definitely heavily contributed. They're, they're the two, two main factors. Mm-hmm. We managed our forest really poorly and we've also caused and are contributing to global warming Uh since the 1900s we've been ruthlessly putting out any fire that we possibly can Mm -hmm. and because of that our forests where they haven't been burning have been 
getting really overgrown, mm-hmm. way too thick timber, r- too close, too close together. Um, it's not patchy like it should be. Mm-hmm. There's too much ladder fuels. The understories. Where are ladder fuels? La- ladder fuels is, is any fuel that would carry an understory fire up into the crowns of timber and mm-hmm. turn it into a crown fire, which would basically that's basically burning every element of the forest. Right. From the bottom to the tops of trees. Okay. And now with global warming, all these these fuels that are that are compacted are now drying out and we're having hotter dry seasons mm-hmm. with less water. And that that's just the perfect recipe for horrible wildfires that are just pretty much unstoppable. Uh-huh. So, so pretty much we have these forests that are completely overgrown, and then because of global warming, they're completely dried out, too. So it's pretty much just waiting to burn. Yeah, exactly. It's the, it's the, it's the perfect recipe for the fire. Mm-hmm. Um, on that note, let's talk about the North Complex and... You got to witness how fast that really burnt, right, last season. Yeah. So I don't remember what day it was, but we there's we were on the North Complex. It was our second roll there, so our second two-week period fighting fire there. Mm-hmm. And there was a high wind advisory. And eventually, I, we, we knew the winds were going to pick up that day really badly. Mm-hmm. So we... Just hunkered down. We we pulled off the line. We got in our buggies and we just waited out the storm. Essentially, we'd send runners to hike the line just to make sure nothing was crossing. But there there wasn't a whole lot we could do against the head of the fire because it right. it was just moving too fast. And a, a two and a half foot wide hand line isn't going to stop embers that are you know going twenty miles an hour, fifty miles an hour being pushed by the wind. Right. So we kind of just had to stand back and watch. Hunker down and stay safe, pretty much. Yeah. And what ended up happening was the fire burnt, I think, 20 miles in 15 minutes or something like that. And it wow. even... It, yeah. We, we were listening. We were just sitting in the buggies, listening to the radio, as Hell Attack was just saying, you know, oh, it just burnt through that whole community. And... There's probably 2,000 houses that just burnt, and oh, it just spotted across Lake Orville, and we, yeah, we were just listening to that and watching it happen, and there was nothing we could do, because it, it, the winds were just way too strong for us to do anything. Right. And I think that's going to be, that's the new normal. Yeah. That, that, that would be somewhat unheard of 20, 30, 40 years ago, but I... It, it's it's the new normal. That's yeah. what we're living with. Yeah. Uh, has there been any talk amongst amongst the crew or amongst multiple crews of how to deal with this new normal? I know you were talking about earlier, like managed fires. You want to explain what that is, or yeah, there's a lot of talk about managed fires. People are pushing for managed fires. Essentially, what that is is. We don't intentionally start a fire, but when the fire does happen, we more monitor it than fight it with full suppression tactics, mm-hmm. which is good because we have a buildup of fuels that we created by poorly managing our forests, mm-hmm. and that's a good way to take care of that if it's burning the way we want it to burn. We don't want it to j- just completely torch the whole forest. We want it to burn the understory brush, and if it's the right time of year, if it's early in the fire season, or maybe after the first rain or two, that that can it can be the perfect conditions where it, it does exactly what we want it to. Right. And if that's the case, why not let it burn? If it's not hurting anybody, if it's not burning down anybody's homes or personal property, especially if it's staying on a national forest where we have the resources to, to manage it properly. Why not let it burn? And, and I think that's something that we're going to see a lot more of. Right. The Mendocino just had some 
legislation changes where it's going to... Mendocino National Forest? Yeah, the Mendocino National Forest, mm-hmm. where it's going to be a lot easier to write off a fire as... as um, what I just call it? Managed Man, fire. As a managed fire. Um, which is what needs to happen, and I hope we see that across the board. I, I think we... I, I hope we start seeing that not just on National Forest, but on public property or, or private property. Mm-hmm. But right, I, I think we're a long ways away from, from that. Yeah. Because fires are, are natural. I mean, they've been yeah. happening since the dawn of time, naturally. Exactly. It, it It's a part of the ecosystem. Mm-hmm. I mean, just like we are, it, 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 it needs to happen. It, it's something that happened when we weren't even here. So right. it needs to continue to happen. Or we need to manage our forests... And mimic fire. Okay, yeah, let's talk about that. Let's say, for the community here, if you don't want a fire to burn through your entire property, what are some steps you can take to mimic fire? You can remove fuels. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, you can you can either hire or buy or rent a masticator, which is essentially a like wood chipper on a piece of equipment that instead of bringing the brush. Or, or fuel to the chipper. The chipper is brought to the brush. So you, it, 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 you, you can put it on an excavator or, or a skid steer or something like that and, and drive it over the fuel mm-hmm. to chip it. Or you can hire fuels reduction crews to come in and cut it down with chainsaws and throw it through a chipper. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can do, obviously do it yourself. You can burn piles. You can Not right now. <laughs> not right now. Yeah, th- this is all m- mostly stuff you want to be doing during the wet season, but mm-hmm. yeah, the, I mean, create defensible space, keep your lawns mowed, and and keep fuels farther away from your house. Mm-hmm. I've I've heard that the first five feet from your house or seven feet from your house, there should be nothing touching, and then the the next twenty five feet should be sparse. You know, it could be like your small lawn and some small shrubs and stuff, but no heavy fuels. And then the next 75 feet should be pretty open, pretty def- defensible. Um, trees are limbed and all that. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, basically that's kind of, in a way, mimicking fire because you're you're taking away that understory, you're limbing up trees so that when a fire does burn that understory, it can't reach the limbs. Mm-hmm. And, and, and that's kind of what fire would be doing if we weren't influencing it. Right. But the problem is we have been. And now it's so built up, it burns everything. Yeah. And we have to, we have to contribute to that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's pretty much summer now. You can't be burning piles. Um, I mean, what can people be doing instead of that? Can they just be cutting down brush, limbing up trees and piling it and then waiting till next spring or something to burn it or something like that or yeah it's definitely better than nothing if that's happening i i think you need to be careful where you're putting your piles obviously don't put them right next to your house yeah keep them spaced out keep them small um depending on what what you're piling if it's just straw or if it's just grass, it can decompose and actually catch on fire. So you, you need to be careful. Mm-hmm. I, I, I think Cal Fire on their website has a great entire page on how to remove, how to safely remove fuel mm-hmm. from your home and how to, you know, maintain a defensible space. And even the Anderson Valley Fire Department has, um, I believe they have a chipper that anybody from the community can rent for a really good price. And there's grants that you can apply for, and there, there's a lot of resources mm-hmm. out there that people are willing to give to you. So if you're willing to put in the time and to keep your home fire safe, there, I mean, it is 100% possible for yeah. everyone. Okay, yeah, let's talk about, really quick, forest service hand crews and stuff like that that aren't even... A lot of people don't. I feel like don't know this. They're not even technically firefighters, right? They're forestry technicians. Yeah. No. So exactly. What does that mean for them, as opposed to like an actual firefighter? What don't they get? So I, I think everybody recognizes them as firefighters. Everybody considers them that, except for the Forest Service. 
Mm-hmm. Um, they can still get firefighter funerals. They're still, you know, getting a lot of the same recognition, mm-hmm. but they're getting really poor pay. Right. Really poor pay. I mean, they're yeah. You could work at McDonald's and make more than a fire a forestry technician with the Forest Service. Mm-hmm. And you'd think somebody who had been working there for s- several years would s- not be considered a forestry technician. Right. It, it. I mean, from your first year, your first fire, you're completely green to overhead. Who's been doing it since you know they were 20 years old. Mm-hmm. They're all forestry technicians. They're all making pretty lousy pay, and they're working harder than pretty much anybody you know. Right. I mean, we're talking about hot. I mean, potentially hot shots here, which are supposed to be the hardest of the hard, essentially. Right. Yeah, they're, they're like the Marines of fire, pretty much. Yeah, and they're getting paid worse, much worse than. I mean, if you want to take into consideration. A municipal department gets hired on to go, hired by the state, if it's a Cal Fire incident, to work a wildland fire. They could be potentially getting time and a half around the clock. Mm-hmm. So that that could be like $30, $40 an hour around the clock, depending on how experienced they are and if they're a captain, what position they are. That Yeah, they could be making $30, $40 an hour around the clock, mm-hmm. whereas... Me, or a hotshot, could be making fifteen dollars an hour. If they're on, if they're actually on the fire line, they could be making overtime, or they could be making hazard pay. And mm-hmm. if they're working more than ten hours, they'd be making overtime. Which I I think that can bring it up to about twenty five dollars an hour. But for the amount of work that somebody on a hand crew is doing it, and the it, quality of work and the, the quality of the work the, how important that work is the impact that that work has on actual fire suppression mm-hmm. compared to what this municipal firefighter is doing which is probably mop up mm-hmm. not saying that that's not important I, I, I just think there's a huge discrepancy there and mm-hmm. that's part of the reason why it's hard to hire people to work on hand cruises because it's some of the hardest work on the planet and they're really not getting paid that well. And it used to be one of the most competitive jobs imaginable. It, it being a hot shot, being a hot shot. It was an immense honor. I mean, it, they would not just hire anybody. It was really hard to get a job. And, mm-hmm. and now they, they almost can't find anybody to do it. The crew that I'm working on this year, we're running with 18 guys right now well hopefully 19 by june but it's supposed to be a 22 man crew and that's right. just because we literally can't find enough people to work that mm-hmm. nobody wants to work for 15 dollars an hour doing the hardest work possible yeah breathing smoke puking from smoke inhalation you just hiked an hour to get there with 60 pounds on your back with 60 pounds on your back up a cliff up <laughs> up a cliff and now you're going to swing a tool at the ground for, the next for 16 12. hours straight maybe even 24 hours straight and and then you're going to go back and sleep on the ground and not get paid for that for 2 weeks for 2 weeks and then go home and have 2 days off yeah so i and no benefits when you eventually retire yeah, and no benefits really when when you retire. So there's definitely some change that needs to happen when it comes to the federal government. Yes, th- this is a federal government issue. I, I a lot of federal employee, a lot of Forest Service employees like to throw shade at Cal Fire, but I, I think to be honest, I think it's out of jealousy that they're actually getting par- paid fairly, mm-hmm. and they don't have quite the same job as us so they, they, which means that they're not sometimes they're not working as hard as us but that's just because there's there's a difference between the two right but they they like to hate Cal Fire because they're getting paid more and, and I think that just goes to show that there's a legitimate issue there I mean yeah. and there's been talk recently um, some overhead was was talking to our crew mentioning hotshots and and saying that in the near future we, there's a chance the next couple of years that there might be a pay increase but mm-hmm. there, there's nothing set in stone and it's all up in the air so yeah 
who knows? Uh, it, it, it with the way fire seasons are going, something's got to change because obviously what we're doing is not working. Yeah, exactly. Um, well, obviously there's a huge shortage in just the physical man manpower it takes to manage these fires or fight these fires now. Um, if someone was interested in helping, how how would they? What would be the best way of going about that? If I, I would really, if you're not looking for a full time position, I would approach your volunteer fire department. They're always looking for recruits. There's an infinite number of ways that you could help out. Even if you're not interested in, in actually fighting fire, there's support roles. There's what I would do is call your local volunteer department. Ask about how you can get involved and and go from there. Mm-hmm. For me, when I was in high school, I wanted to get involved. I started attending trainings, and eventually I went to an academy, and here I am four years later. Mm-hmm. So however involved you want to be, you can be. You can be. Yeah. Yeah. There, yeah. If you... If, do your part if you're able. Yeah. Well, I think that just about wraps it up. Thanks, Morgan, for letting me interview you. Um, I hope the fire season is safe. Thanks for having me. Yeah, no problem. Hello, this is Tiernan at KZYX, and you just listened to my brother Morgan and me discuss wildland fires, the different agencies that fight these fires, and the different tactics that they use. Morgan has been volunteering for a local fire department since high school, went through the Cal Fire PCF Academy in San Luis Obispo, and we were both with the Mendocino Hotshots last fire season, where Morgan has returned for this summer. Next, we'll listen to Lana Cohen's interview of Mendocino Cal Fire Chief George Gonzalez. They'll discuss the current outlook on this fire season, the drought, and how Cal Fire is preparing. Enjoy. Hi, George. How are you doing today? Doing well. How are you? I am doing pretty well. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to speak with me this morning. As, of course, you know probably better than anyone else, we are in a really bad drought, both here in Mendocino and in the entire state. So I wanted to talk to you about how the drought might impact fire season this summer, both in terms of severity and firefighting capability. I thought I would start with a few kind of broader questions and topics and then move towards some more specific ones. Does that sound okay? That sounds great, thank you. Okay, wonderful. First, could you just briefly explain the relationship between drought and fire? Yeah, drought has a direct impact on several levels, uh, one of them being the environment such as the moisture in the air, um, the lack of water, lack of rain, uh, which supplies all the all the vegetation, trees, brush, grass. And the drought that we're experiencing now um, has significantly impacted us here locally and statewide um, with the lack of moisture, no rain, all the trees that are used to getting um, 30 to 40 inches of rain here locally, um, this year we've had less than that. We've had approximately half that, if not less. So with that being said, as a normal fire season would go forward and things would gradually start to dry into summer, this has already happened in the spring. And we've already had large fires this spring here in Mendocino County. So the lack of moisture, the lack of water, as all the vegetation, the trees, the brush, the grass, very drought-stricken, very thirsty for water because we did not have an adequate winter which supplied water. With that being said, um, it also affects us on a different level because some lakes or ponds where we would normally get water from via the helicopter or our engine crews with our pumps, Um, those have gone dry already. 
So we're going to need to uh, see where we could get water from uh, that's close and available during fire suppression um, because some of the local smaller type of ponds have dried. And we're even experiencing on a different level uh, now, some of our station wells are starting to go dry, such as Cobolo. So we might have to start trucking in water just for our daily activities at the station level, which we've never done before. If we're already having these big fires in the spring, what do you anticipate we'll have in the summer? Well, I'm hoping for the best, but we're prepared for the worst. Within California, 90% of the fires are human-caused. And unfortunately, here in Mendocino, those statistics are a little bit higher. Almost 94% are human-caused. I anticipate a very large and long fire season. I think we're going to have significant fires throughout California. And um, every square inch of Mendocino, unfortunately, even all the way through the coast, is very susceptible to fires already. So to answer your question, I believe we will see large fires this summer. And so how are you guys preparing for that? Thanks to uh, the governor's budget, uh, working with our department, um, we've had uh, monies available to us earlier than normal. We've hired uh, additional staffing throughout the state and locally. We are utilizing California National Guard crews here in Mendocino County. We're utilizing triple uh, C crews in this county. We're utilizing our fuels crews in this county. And I'm very proud to mention that we also have um, a newer program, which is the firefighter hand crew, which we'll be using here in this county. And that's on top of our normal uh, dozers, fire engines, hand crews, inmate hand crews, and our normal firefighting personnel. We're also going to take receipt of a new helicopter. It's due in Colorado, uh, May 24th. And we should have it in service at the unit level here in Mendocino County approximately by uh, the first week in July. So with all these factors, with the additional firefighters, with the additional staffing, uh, with all the training that we're doing, with all the preparation we've done over the past several years with vegetation management, fire breaks, and controlled burns, this has given us every chance that we could hope to have for this summer here in the county. How many more staff and how many more firefighters exactly do you guys have? As a general rule, we probably have increased our staffing approximately 120 people, 120 firefighting personnel. And what's the total? I don't know the total. I'm going to estimate now the unit total is around 350 firefighting personnel. So around a third. That's a big, obviously a big jump. I mean, of course, you hired all these extra staff, and this might alleviate some of the stress on firefighters and staff, but how are these back-to-back -back years of really dry weather, really high fire risk, what kind of toll is that taking on your crews? It is taking a toll. We've seen um, firefighter health issues. We've seen it's been difficult to actually hire people um, in the sheer volume of fires we're seeing in the past five years has more than doubled um, since the beginning of the, this decade. It is uh, a tremendous workload. Uh, thankfully, we're able to get uh, additional staffing to deal with some of the modern fires. I will say that um, locally, with the increase of staffing and with the increase of equipment, the new helicopters, that um, it will help out on the rotation of firefighters um, to get people time off, and it will help to keep the fires smaller um, if we get there quicker with more equipment as well. Earlier you brought up getting water and water availability, which is something that I definitely wanted to talk about today. And I know that, you know, you guys pull water from Lake Mendocino, and then often you pull water from whatever source is available nearest the fire that you need to fight. So first I wanted to know, is there a chance that Lake Mendocino could get too low for you guys to be able to scoop water out? 
at some point it can. Now, we are accustomed to being able to draft water from extremely low water levels. That's, that's what we do. We can work under those conditions. But at some point, the way I understand it from the hydrologist, the water can get to a low level where it is a mixture of mud, sediment mixed in with the water, and it starts to turn into a sludge. I'm not a hydrologist. I don't know if the water levels will get to that point this year, but it does sound like that is a possibility. Have you guys ever seen that before? We have not seen that before. We've never had my station, my Cobalo station, go dry before either. And right now, preliminary reports just in being out in the rural areas of Mendocino County, we are starting to notice areas where we've gone to in the past for water that are almost dried up already, smaller little tributaries and or small ponds. What happens when those areas, when those ponds or rivers or creeks that you usually get water from or you rely on having a water source go dry? It adds another layer of complication to the firefighting plan, but it's not um, something that, that's going to halt any firefighting operations. Uh, we have the mindset, and we've been training, and we've been preparing for this moment, so uh, now we order extra equipment, extra water tenders, uh, extra air tankers, extra helicopters, because we understand that our normal uh, water sites may be impacted. So. The initial attack incident commander will be ordering additional resources uh, as a preventative measure. And with things like the Covalode well going dry, how do you guys make sure that you continuously truck enough water so that there is a re that resource available in Covalo? So yes, to our, our Covalo station, we will have to purchase water um, and we will have to get it delivered. And then as far as firefighting, that is one of the decisions that our uh, firefighting ground personnel do when they arrive to a fire incident is to uh, see the potential for the fire and request enough resources for the fire, including uh, water tenders for the fire that they have on hand. Do you think that response time will be slower because there might not be water available and you might have to wait for water tenders to arrive rather than using water on site? No, I think the response times will be the same, if not uh, a little bit quicker. Um, we're sending more equipment to each dispatch. We started that last year. We've increased our uh, uh, equipment responses to each dispatch, and we're also going to add additional water tenders, things like that, to our dispatches as needed when the IC, the incident commander, feels that they need more water. Okay. So in the past few years, of course, much of Mendocino National Forest has burned, and so is there a lower fire concern for the eastern part of the county, or could it still burn badly in that region? I have high concerns for all areas of Mendocino County. I have uh, high concerns as well for the Mendocino National Forest, which encompasses uh, several counties. The large fires that have occurred uh, because they've been high intensity fires on the Mendocino National Forest, it's kind of converted the vegetation type. So now where timber or brush once grew and it has burned through, now uh, there's a crop of annual grass. So I do anticipate large uh, crops of grass in those areas, and grass can burn uh, fairly frequently and very, you know, very easily with any sort of lightning or people dragging a chain from their trailers, things like that. It's very susceptible to fire. How long have you been working as a firefighter in Mendocino or in the field? I have 30 years in the fire service, and I've been a firefighter here in Mendocino since 2009. So, I mean, that's a really long time, and everyone talks about this being the new normal or from where you're standing, and based on your experience, does it seem like things have radically changed in the past five, ten years? They absolutely have. Uh, I, you, you could take it back to uh, 2015, and you could see the fire's from 2014, 2015, up to present time, have gotten much longer. The fire seasons are much longer. When I first started in the Sonoma unit um, in the early 90s, a, a fire season was maybe three and a half to four months uh, as a seasonal. And now our seasonals are working nine and 10 months every single year. And 
fires, that's a direct response to the fire season. So fire seasons have more than doubled in length, um, which again kind of ties back to your earlier question. Uh, our summers are longer and drier and our winters are shorter and uh, drier, so the fuels don't recover as they should during the winter. Mm -hmm. What are you most concerned about for the upcoming season? What do you think the biggest challenges will be this year? The biggest challenges are usually Mother Nature with wind events and or lightning. We have no control or direct say over that. It just happens with nature. So my concern is the frequency of wind events and the frequency of dry lightning, which sparks numerous fires. Last year in a 24-hour period, uh, lightning rolled through California and started a, over a 1,000 new fires. And that's just something uh, nobody's prepared for. And then if you add wind to that, it complicates a, a already complicated scenario. What are the top three messages you want to give to listeners and readers about how to prepare for this fire season, how to stay safe, and what to be thinking about? Great question. The top three, stay vigilant, stay safe, be prepared to evacuate, harden your home at readyforwildfire.org. Uh, plenty of information for home hardening and defensible spacing. And three, sign up for your local alert system so you can know when there's an evacuation process through the sheriff's office. You just listened to Lana Cohen's interview of Mendocino Cal Fire Chief George Gonzalez. This is Tiernan at KZYX, and I hope you learned something about fire and enjoyed the show. Thanks for tuning in. This has been a production of KZYX Philo 90.7 FM, KZYZ Willetson Dukaya 91.5 FM, and Fort Bragg at 88.1 FM, Mendocino County Public Broadcasting. You can check out our website at kzyx.org to find more content like this and consider donating by clicking the red donate button in the upper right corner. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.